0: I was, uh, before service, I ran into Carrie Steck. She's working in the children's church. And she said, do you remember when you used to preach and they had the front part on and your heel would always get caught in the, we used to have a little thing where there was a hole in the stage and my heels would always get caught. And I go, yeah, I do remember that. Thank you, Jesus, that that's not there anymore. If you're new with us, we started a new series a few weeks ago that we entitled uh, Trifecta, uh, which is just another way to describe our joint adventure in following Jesus, who showed us how to live the life we were always meant to live. Lives that are marked by passionate and zealous worship of the Creator. Lives that are marked by deep connection to the local body of Christ and missional zeal for the lost. And I think that every one of us come in to this room with the same desires. I I know we do because they're placed there by our creator. and We are all designed to belong to a community of people that are loving one another into wholeness. We're designed by God for that. We're designed by God for big purpose, folks, to be significant contributors to the kingdom of God. That is our joint purpose. That's why we get up in the morning or why we should get up in the morning We are all wanting uh, to be treated with enormous dignity. That's in each one of us. Being created in the image of God, we carry enormous dignity. Every tongue, tribe, and nation. So that's in all of us. And Jesus has the key to all that. He he is the key. He is the way, the truth and the life. And if we will take him at his word, we hit the trifecta. Period. We hit the trifecta if we will just obey his word. And if you know me for a millisecond, you know that the Holy Spirit has fashioned me before the foundation of the earth to be a foundation layer. That's what he's called me to do in the body of Christ, to lay foundations And my pastoral heart, longs that each one of us grow in the revelation of the written word, the love letter. This is a love letter. So if this is God's love letter, and it is, his self-revelation to humanity. The primary way that we learn about what he has to say and how he feels and how he responds is in this love letter. So we wanna grow in this, right? We wanna grow and, and we do that through careful study, careful reflection and application of what it says. And if we apply it to our lives, if we obey it, then we grow in our uh, understanding of how he thinks. And we grow in our experience um, and our heart gets bigger. It gains uh, the capacity of revelation of how much he loves us. And then as we learn more and more of his heart, we are ruined. We are ruined for anything less than What is true and noble and pure. Uh, A gentleman by the name of Bill Jackson, a pastor in the vineyard years ago, wrote this, and this is what I believe with all of my heart The answer that every person in every continent, in all corners of the planet, is looking for is in the heart and the mind of God and the heart and the mind of God is revealed to us in the written word in the love letter and then it's fleshed out in the person of Jesus Christ the word made flesh. so where do we begin we pick up and read we pick up and read the love letter remembering that all all meaning is context-dependent, right? It's the way language works. Whether we're speaking it or writing it or reading it, we have to remember the context that it's written in to get the meaning. And and basically, that's what foundation layers do. They help build context. And uh, that's what we do on Sundays is we're reminding one another of the context, the larger context of Scripture. So when we pick it up, we can approach it in the large context and then interpret it from there. Dr. Fee uh, wrote, and he's one of my faves, I don't know if he's still alive, I don't know, Millen, were you at that conference years ago when Dr. Fee spoke? Dr. Fee is a, uh, it was in his 80s, and uh, way back when, that was, I don't know, 15 years ago, I was at a Vineyard conference and I got to hear him speak. He uh, is a, biblical scholar on steroids. He, he helped write the NIV and the, the TNIV and the NLT. I mean, so the guy knew what he was doing. He spent his life as a biblical scholar. But more importantly than that, he was a believer. He lived out the Bible. Because there are Bible scholars who are not believers. This guy was. And he wrote... The aim of sound interpretation is not uniqueness. We are not trying to discover what no one else has ever seen before. So it's not like the Da Vinci Code that we're looking for secret messages. The aim of scripture as we read it is just to get at the plain meaning of the text, okay? It's God's self-revelation to us So he wants us to understand it. He wants us to read it in the context that we can understand it. So if you have a Bible that you can't understand the words thee and thou, if you understand it, read that. But if you don't, find a Bible, a good study Bible, that you can understand the language, because he wants us to understand it. The the meat, the, the what we're shooting for is the plain meaning of the text. Doctor Fee wrote several books. Two I always recommend: How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, and How to Read the Bible Book by Book. You will love them. You will love them. Small brief books. You can order them on on Amazon, how to read the Bible for all it's words and how to read the Bible book by book. It's a phenomenal aid in our study time. The other thing we need to do is remember that the aim, the aim of reading scripture is transformation, right? Because we can get caught up in the details and we can get caught up in the academics, but if we do that, we're going to miss the person it's all pointing to. That's what the Pharisees did, right? They could recite the Torah. They could recite the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. They could just speak them right here. They could just stand up and and recite by memory Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And what did Jesus say to them? You know the scripture, but the one it's pointing to is standing in front of you and you don't recognize me. So the aim of study is transformation to get to know the Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we all need to commit to being lifelong learners. Our approach to scripture needs to include humility and reverence and always, always, the, the uh, Willingness to have our minds changed. Paul wrote in Romans 12, it'll be up on your screens. This is from the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should be our response to the Father sending His only Son? to Jesus' gift of dying on the cross and then the Holy Spirit resurrecting him. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And he already has been led into the presence of the Ancient of Days. Psalm 110, Daniel 7. He's already there, folks. We're not waiting for him to be led into the presence of the ancient of days. He's there. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given to our Jesus. (laughs) Yes, yes. He's there. He's at the helm. He's judging nations. He's judging individuals. And how does he do it? Through the cross, through self-sacrifice. through transformation of the worst of us sinners. And if you knew me, oh my gosh, if you knew me, if you know me, you know I, like Paul, I'm the worst. The eldest of six, I have a couple sisters here. Cornelia Ann was the youngest one. Many of you know her, and she's here with Paul and that beautiful Schuster family. She knew me growing up, she knew She was probably the most surprised when Kate became a pastor, (laughs) right? But Jesus is all about transforming us, taking the mess of our lives and then using them for beauty, like what we sung today with Lucas. So, Paul, Paul says, What should be our response to that? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred, set apart, living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. Whose heart? His heart. Not my heart. Not the world's heart. God calls us to live a life that delights his heart. And in doing that, we are living a delightful life the best life. For this becomes the genuine expression of worship. The NIV says it this way, offer your bodies everything you do as living sacrifice. For this is true and acceptable worship before God. We can sing our hearts out folks, we can recite scripture, but if we are not living the kingdom life, then we are not worshiping God because worship is an attitude of the heart. So how do we do that? Oh, Paul says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. How many can agree with me? Well, that's hard because that's what the air I breathe, right? It's possible, Paul says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit, underscore this next, Phrase, through a total reformation of how you think. So if we are not willing to have our minds changed, we are going to be stuck in a very immature place. This will empower us to discern God's will as we live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Yeah, becoming more like Jesus, which is the goal of conversion. When we say yes to him, we say yes, I wanna become like you, Lord. I wanna see like you, I wanna feel like you, I wanna think like you. And I know it's gonna be a lifelong process. That's what we're signing up for. So becoming like him is impossible without having our minds changed. This is part and parcel to living for the king and his kingdom ways. What Jesus demonstrated over and over in the gospels, parable after parable teaching after teaching action after action is there is a new state of affairs the king has arrived and with him the kingdom of god the rule and reign of god there's a new state of affairs We're we're New Testament Christians. There's a new state of affairs. (laughs) Mm. To receive the truths of the kingdom, we're gonna need to fill our mind with the truth. We're gonna need to fill our mind with the word of God, the love letter. We're gonna need help from one another because the context of transformation includes being connected to a local body. We're gonna need the Holy Spirit who does it all, folks. Everything we do is via, through God, the Holy Spirit, our best friend, our counselor, our teacher, our guide, our convictor, our healer. He's everything. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens our heart and our mind to the new reality, the reality of God's kingdom. In other words, the Holy Spirit helps us to trade in our current evil age thinking. And we all have it. We all came in here with areas that we are operating out of current evil age thinking, right? He wants us to trade in our current evil age thinking for age-to-come thinking. And to do that, we need to make the turn and not look back. That is a prophetic word for this season in the globe. Make the turn and don't look back. This is a phrase that God, the Holy Spirit, has been talking to me about for over a year. It is in every waking moment, it is in my dreams, it is in my thoughts, I am writing prophetic journals about it that the Holy Spirit told me a few weeks ago I would be writing a book called Make the Turn and Don't Look Back, colon. And that has everything to do with living in the trajectory of the age to come. Yes. Yes. He's he's saving me all over again. I'm born again, again and again. Yes. We must, we must, we must allow the Holy Spirit to inform our lives through age to come thinking. We simply, we simply cannot discern the will of the Father without making that turn. There are things that I believe right now are the will of God and they're not. Jesus is helping me make the turn. This is what it means to be sanctified, right? We go from glory to glory. We get converted. It's all God, right? He comes and says, will you just take my beautiful sacrifice of Jesus? Will you trust him? And we say yes. And then we are immediately transferred from one kingdom to the other. Did you know that? We're immediately transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God, Jesus. At the moment you say yes to the Lord. And then you spend the rest of your life making turns and not looking back. Going from glory to glory, having our mind changed and looking more like Jesus than we did yesterday. Jesus, you know, remember in John 14 when he promised that the Father would send the Holy Spirit? Do you remember what he said there? There's so much I want to tell you, but I can't because you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. Folks, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the one who imparts counsel and wisdom. The Father did do what Jesus promised. He sent the Holy Spirit. His new covenant, New Testament, 2022 Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us with this thing. Our part is just to cooperate, be very intentional, be very intentional about making the turn towards the preferred future that belongs to every one of us. Now, I'm gonna give a couple examples here that's gonna help us with this. You know, a really good exercise for all of us when we're trying to figure out what to do, especially as believers, is look at the end and work backwards. What is the end of this age gonna look like? What is it going to look like when Christ comes back and finishes what he started? He brought the kingdom. Folks, do you know there are believers who do not believe that the kingdom of God is here yet? It's here. Not in full, but it's going to be in full. So so look to the preferred future. What is that going to look like? Is it going to be filled with war and rumors of wars when Jesus comes back and recreates the cosmos and the new Jerusalem comes here right the earth where we're going to live and rule and reign with Jesus is there going to be war and rumors of wars no should that not inform how I live now If there is going to be no discrimination, no male nor female, slave or free, Greek or Gentile, if there is going to be no discrimination and there's going to be unity in every tongue, tribe, and nation, and nationalism, folks, will not be part of the plan. We will not have that view because He came for every tongue, tribe, and nation. If that's true, then should it not be true now? Should that not inform how I live? Yes, you're getting it. See, isn't it a beautiful thing? I've used this example before, but it's so germane to this. So, so you, you know that I didn't always believe that a female should be up here doing what I'm doing. Did you know that about me? Years ago, I believed I mean, I had been prophesied over. I had been told you're a teacher in the body of Christ. I'm like, okay, well, this is messing with my theology. So, what did I do? I went and I searched that Bible out. I got all kinds of study aids. And then I grasped onto something way back then. Wait a minute, in my preferred future, I'm not going to be discriminated against and held back because I'm a female who's five foot one and weighs hardly nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to be discriminated for that. So why am I allowing myself to be discriminated? Now Jesus isn't doing it. My preferred future is now. So it informed me to make a mind change. It changed, it changed my mind. The trajectory of the age to come changed my mind. And then I had to make all kinds of changes in my life. I had to change, you know, choose a different vocation, go back to school. I had to let that dream die a thousand deaths, and I am not exaggerating, maybe a hundred deaths. It was a lot. But it informed me, Because I was looking to the preferred future and Jesus said the preferred future is here and now. That was his message. So that's a good example. You can't believe what he's talking to me about now and telling me. I'm like oh man was I deceived. Through the, through the prism of age to come thinking. Tom Wright puts it this way, N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, he says this, he's a, he's a Bible scholar. The point is that with Jesus, something happened because of which the world is a different place. It isn't different how we might want to expect. No, it's not, but something happened because of which it makes vital sense to live an age to come thinking. He didn't say that. I did. But here's how he said it. And he's way smarter than me. Because of which it makes vital sense to talk of new creation, new temple, new humanity, and not just to speak it, but to live it. To hear the call of Jesus right now, today, is to be a part of the kingdom project. What's your purpose? To be part of the kingdom project, period. Everything Jesus said and did, everything was in the context of the kingdom of God. That is the context, that is the foundation that I'm longing for all of us to understand when I pick up the scripture, it is in the context of the kingdom of God, here and now. So my interpretation starts there. That's the foundation of All of our interpretation. Folks, the Holy Spirit is not messing around. Who knows that? He isn't fooling around. There is something going on in the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit is behind and it's called press into the kingdom of God over and against everything else, over and against every cultural, every worldview, every paradigm, everything you're thinking, press in to the truth of the kingdom of God, press in to living the preferred future that is already yours in Jesus. And some of you, that starts today with just saying, Lord, I don't even know what that woman is talking about, but there's something going on inside me, and I want it. That's the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus, just say yes to him. I, Jesus, I, I just say yes to you right now. Forgive me of my sin. <laughs> Help me live this wonderful life out, a life that's way better than what I'm living now. I know it. I know it in here, in the, in the knower. He's calling us to press in and and folks, this is what he's been, I've been grappling with for the last year, but especially the last three months. Turn off the news, turn off the news, I don't care if it's CNN, Fox are I'm sure they're all lovely people, <laughs> but they are not preaching kingdom of God ethics. They are scapegoating and scapegoating is demonic. Jesus was the last scapegoat. There are no, we're not supposed to be practicing that anymore. Jesus, the scapegoat went out into the wilderness banished, took our sin and said, there's a new sheriff in town and you're not allowed to scapegoat anymore because I took it. One news station is scapegoating Trump, the other one Biden, and I am sick to death of it. It is not kingdom thinking. You know what? I can't be sick to death of it if God didn't make me sick to death of it. Because, again, I'm not saying that we should not be informed. Please don't hear me saying that. But if you aren't measuring every worldview, philosophy, and newscast by the kingdom of God, when they say, everyone wants the truth, and the truth is, and I'm like, what are they saying? That's not the truth of Jesus. So that's not truth. i I tell you, unless, until I see somebody stand up in Congress and read the Sermon on the Mount, I'm not going to believe a word any of them say. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. Pray for your enemies. That's what Jesus said. And unless I hear someone say that, I am not going to believe what they have to say. Because it's not through the prism of the kingdom of God. And I pray for that. Man, we should pray for that. Pray for your leaders to get saved, (laughs) rescued, that they would stand up and say, no more war. We're taking on the peacekeeper of Jesus Christ who's governing the world. That's what I'm looking for in my leaders. Pray, pray, pray. It's going to take off you know, tuning out the voices of nationalism. And I'm, I love being an American, folks. I'm not saying, you know, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17 that you're actually born in the era and in the place for God's purposes. So I know I'm here by, per, by, by plan. But it's not to put my red, white, and blue lenses on and read the Bible through them. Right? Right? We're going to have to take those lenses off. And, And folks, it's going to take unity in the body of Christ. And whatever is detracting from that, we need to cease. And I've gotten caught up in this thing too, folks. And Jesus is changing my mind and heart on it. As I'm speaking right now, there are people that are labeling one another over the political environment. There are people that are labeling one another over the vaccine debate. On one side, the vaccinated are calling their brothers and sisters in Christ, conspiracy theorists, deceived, foolish ones. And on the other side of the debate, the unvaccinated are calling the vaccinated deceived and blind. And I can hear Jesus's brother James saying, we bless God with one side and we curse our brothers and sisters with the other. And this should not be. This is not living through the prism of the kingdom of God. Now, don't hear me say, we should not know what's going on inside of our bodies and just take current evil age thinking people, their word for it. Investigate, know what's going on in your body. And then make that choice through the prism of sowing unity and not division. We have to look at the fruit of what we're thinking and saying and doing. And if it's sowing division among our brothers and sisters in Christ, the enemy then gets to get involved. And believe me, he is. Because the enemy has a field day. When brothers and sisters in Christ are arguing over these things, he has a field day because what is it doing? It's detracting us from our Jesus. That's his job. Get your eyes off Jesus. Scapegoat. Label one another. And then what happens is it destroys our witness to a lost and dying world. Unity leads to God's blessing, division leads to hellish, demonic strongholds. That's one of the things that the Lord is messing with me about and I'm repenting. Help me see you this whole spiel Lord through your eyes. Comes down to this. The Trinity has rejoiced us into creation. He's pulled us into the dance, right? That's what they've done and they want to color our world with age to come reality. A few weeks ago I was laying on my back patio and you guys hear that a lot from me, I like my back patio. Sitting outside on my back patio and I heard the Holy Spirit whisper very gently, Kathleen, I want to color your world with age to come thinking. I want to color your world with my view, a view informed by the shed blood of Jesus, who chose to die rather than kill his enemies. Chose to die rather than kill his enemies. That messed with me, still messing with me. I want to color your world, Kathleen, in a way that you live out of the reality of the new Jerusalem and not Armageddon. That's what N.T. Wright was saying. How should we be talking and living and viewing in the preferred future that showed up in person 2,000 years ago? I want to fill you with so much of me that you don't even recognize yourself. That sounds really good to me. Jesus, please grace us to make the turn and not look back. The visitation that's coming, folks, globally, the visitation that we talk about every week here that's coming is going to require a gargantuan, Holy Spirit, mind-blowing mind change. Because new wine requires new wineskins. And the new wine starts, middles, and ends with the message of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. It starts, middles, and ends with that. And this is crucial. And I know what I'm getting ready to say, some people have never heard in their life, and they're going to go, what? And some people have heard it. I've heard it. I've studied it. I've preached it, but God is teaching me all over again. Christ's message was not about how to get to heaven. It's not about fire insurance. Christ's message was understanding that eternity has broken in space, time, and history. That is the message of the king. Did you guys know what the biblical, the true interpretation of the word eternal means? Write this down, note takers. This is so cool. Eternity, eternal, biblically speaking does not mean life after death do you know what it means it's gonna blow your mind belonging to the age to come that's what eternal means we belong to the age to come right now I'm living eternal life it started when I said yes to Jesus And every single time I choose to live in a way, there it is, Lucas, sorry, you told me not to do that and I did it, Uh, every time I choose to live in the prism of age to come thinking, I'm being transformed more and more into that preferred future, that eternal thing that God saved me for. I'm choosing to to live in a way that looks like I belong to the age to come. That is how we love others. That's how the world knows, is gonna know Jesus. Look, if we don't show the kindness of God and how we talk and speak and love and live, people are not gonna, they're not gonna want what we have. We argue just as much as the world does. Mm Mm-mm. Holy Spirit's saying no, folks. Gargantuan mind change, go with it, make the turn. (laughs) So, eternal means belonging to the age to come, and it means belonging to the present, in the present, to the people, you and I, who are steering their lives according to the standards and the purposes of the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right there. That is the gospel. That is the good news. So let's help one another. Let's help one another make the turn. Let's hang tight together and sow unity and guard unity. Feed the poor. Care for the prisoner. Care for the sick. Care for the immigrant. That is not a Republican or national political argument. That is Jesus politics. You care for the poor you care for the immigrant, you care for the prisoner, and you you care for the sick. That's how Jesus will judge the nations. Who's doing that? Let's pick up and read this love letter through the lens of kingdom thinking so we can hear the beautiful voice of our Jesus, tell us of his love and his ways and how we get to be a part of the solution. All right, everybody pick up a piece of paper in front of you, please, and a pen. We're going to practice this, reading the scripture through this foundational tool. I mean, maybe use, you know, you should have in the back of your um, seat. This is something that Amber's going to be practicing with this week with home groups something that some of us are familiar with. This is only gonna take a couple minutes. We're gonna do this together. And then I'm going to end with four very specific prophetic words in addition to make the turn. This is called Lectio Divina, divine reading. Take, if you have a phone, take a picture of this or, or you can reach out to Amber or uh, Lucas or Amber because Amber's got it. I sent it to her for the home group study. But, so, let the divina, we place ourselves in a quiet environment. So, I don't know, a park, your living room, wherever. quiet environment. Choose a text from scripture and then you just pray something like, hey, come Holy Spirit. Counsel me, enlighten my heart and mind to know what Jesus is saying. Then we read the text slowly, not fast, slowly. There it is again, there's the second step. We read it slowly, at home read it multiple times. We don't have time to do that today, but at home read it multiple times, at least two or three. And while you're doing that, observe what's happening in the text and when a word or a phrase strikes you, stop. Stop, pay attention. Let the Holy Spirit talk to you about that. Close your eyes. Repeat it to yourself. Write it down. That's what, Write it down. Write down the word or phrase that struck you and write down what you believe the Lord might be saying to you. And if you don't know what he's saying to you, at least write down what's striking you because he will talk to you eventually about why he wants that to strike you. Folks, Jesus is all about revealing himself constantly to us if we'll just take a few minutes and give him space. That's what Lecto Divina really can help us do. Then you just formulate a prayer, which is just, just prayer, all it is is a response to the one who loves us, He's crazy about us. Observe what's happening, or, uh, or uh, so you've observed what's happening and you're saying, okay, well, how does this apply to me? And then I'm just gonna talk to Jesus about it. And I'm gonna let my prayer be that. Lord, I feel like you're telling me such and so. And then I start talking to him about that. That's what prayer is, just conversing. To making space to receive the transforming embrace of the Holy Spirit who's going and is the only, the only way we're gonna have our minds renewed is through the Holy Spirit make us more like Jesus. So instead of you, I'm, we're going to put this up on the screen. This is out of um, the, the New Testament. I don't want you to read it this time. I want you to do this from home, but you can take a picture of it. It's out of the passage translation. I'm going to read this slowly to you. Luke 10, 38 through 42, just four verses. And don't get, when you're doing this, don't like pick a big, huge, long section of scripture, a, a short text, maybe two to Five verses. And if something strikes you, write it down. And then talk to Jesus about it this week. Okay? I'm going to read this and then we'll end with prayer and those words. Close your eyes, please. Holy Spirit, come. You're already here, big time. Reveal what you want to reveal to each heart. Rame a word, God. As Jesus and the disciples, oh wait a minute, this is a very familiar thing of scripture. I need to, very familiar, you're gonna know this. Please approach it as as though it wasn't. Please approach this as it's the very first time you've ever heard this. I prayed and prayed, out of the 869,000 words in the Bible, which ones do you want me to read? He said this one, so I'm going for it. So I know there's a rainbow word for it, even though it's familiar. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guest. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Mary has discovered the one thing most important. Choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted. And I will not take this privilege from her. If one word or phrase struck you from hearing that, just write that down and talk to Jesus about this week. Please, please read that several times this week. Jesus will talk to you. And we're gonna practice this. This is one way, it's just one beautiful way to learn how to sit still and learn to hear the shepherd's voice Can you stand and let the prayer teams come up, please? Some of you, when I simply said in the body of this teaching, make the turn and don't look back, that struck you, just that phrase. Let us pray with you about that. Kinda of just hit you in the solar plexus right there. Bless what God is doing in you. and The prayer teams are here to help do that. There are four pictures that I'm going to share. Three of them the Lord gave me, and the other he gave to Margie Long, who I, I, Apple Finder, sorry Margie. Sorry Steve, her name's Apple Finder. Um, I, I called her this week because she had a prophetic word for me several weeks ago, and the word was, the Lord's been talking to you about something for a while, and he wants you to teach on it. (laughs) <laughs> so I called her this week I said it's coming this weekend pray with me so we did and then she gave me a, a picture of a word the Lord gave her on Tuesday so, the, so what I'm going to share is three, three pictures and the picture God shared with her that I believe is very germane to what Jesus wants to do with us today so if any of these hit you come on up for prayer and if they don't come up for prayer anyway Prayer's cool it's the, it's the way we cooperate with the Lord all right Picture number one. I saw a V formation of flying geese. And the Lord uses that picture for me a lot. It's in my prophetic library. And, he, and it normally is used when he's talking to me about the body of Christ and unity and you know, us taking turns. You know, lead geese, go back. Let somebody else come up and lead. Lead geese. Go, you know, we do it together. V formation. But this time I saw the the picture and I heard the Lord say, there are those that are with the wrong flock. Social networks that you are hanging with are killing the truth inside you. Make the turn and don't look back. And you need help. You need help breaking those connections. I get it. Oh, I get it. Jesus does want us with unbelievers, but he wants us with unbelievers after we've been saturated, soaked, and ready to be with that particular flock. I don't want the truth of the gospel of the age to come thinking to be slowly, painfully taken away. I saw someone with a headphones and these headphones were humongous. and I heard the Lord say, take those off. They're filled with violence and death. If that's you, you know what it means. I can tell you this for sure. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he wants to fill you with the ability to turn the other cheek and love those who don't love you. Not for vengeance. I believe that's part of the interpretation of that word. I saw someone bent over, I mean, from guttural pain. Couldn't even stand up. I felt like the Lord was saying that that pain is coming from betrayal. This could be old betrayal or brand new, fresh betrayal. And I heard him say, ah, a broken reed I will not break. I want to take the bitterness and the harm and I want to use it and turn it around and all those shattered dreams that are part of that betrayal, that loss of trust that are part of that betrayal. I want to take it, I want to heal it, and I want to use it for your good and the glory of the kingdom. picture that Margie had was the picture of a carousel you know when the horses are just going around and around in circles and the horses are on the carousel and they're going around and around but they're not going anywhere right just going around and around and then she saw the horses get up off the carousel but they couldn't, they couldn't stand, they couldn't walk, they couldn't be horses because of atrophy. And I prayed about that and I felt like the Lord said, the atrophy is coming from hurt, fear, neglect, and isolation. If any of those words describe you're walking in some kind of fear, hurt, neglect, isolation, Jesus wants to take you from that place where you're running around in circles and he wants to strengthen those limbs, get you back in the race. And I know that has to do with spiritual gifts. I know it. Being part of this race is spending the gifts that God gave you with everything he has because I can't grow the way I'm supposed to grow without your gift, and you can't grow without mine. We are, the kingdom of God is set up that way. He wants to strengthen your limbs. He wants to help you be delivered of fear and rejection and harm and isolation, and he wants to get you back in the race. All right, gonna pray a closing prayer. You guys are invited to come up to get prayer and then go and serve this wonderful Jesus with new, new uh, reality, the age to come. I love you guys, I love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Lori, I thank you for these folks, every family member here and online I thank you that you are the truth teller, the life changer, the giver of gifts, the giver of age to come, belonging to the age to come here and now. And I pray Holy Spirit that as we pick up your written word this week, that we pick it up with new fervor and passion led by the kind, the kindest person we'll ever meet, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray. Amen. Love you.